But we look for love in all the wrong places. Let me uh, share with you what someone wrote about love. The power of love is a curious thing. Make a one man weep, make another man sing. Change a heart to a little white dove. More than a feeling, that's the power of love. Don't need no money, don't take fame. Don't need no credit card to ride this train. It's strong and it's sudden and it's cruel sometimes, but it might just save your life. That's the power of love. The power of love. They say that all in love is fair. Yeah, but you don't care. But you know what to do when it gets hold of you. And with a little help from above, you feel the power of love. You feel the power of love. Can you feel it? Don't need no money. Don't take fame. Don't need no credit card to ride this train. It's a strong and it's sudden and it's cruel sometimes, but it might save your life. They say that all in love is fair. Yeah, but you don't care. But you know what to do when it gets hold of you. And with a little help from above, you feel the power of love. 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 Huey Lewis sang that song, but God was singing it a long time ago. Amen? The power of love. We all look for love. We were created to love. The greatest sense in our heart is to be loved and have the ability within us to love. But sin has come in and broken down and created walls and, and uh, bring, has brought in pollution and dilution of this God-given destiny of us to love. And we see John writing this, uh, this epistle. John was known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Can you say that to yourself this morning? That you are the disciple that Jesus loved. Thank you, Richard. Let's say it together. I am the disciple that Jesus loved. One more time. I am the disciple that Jesus loved. I am the disciple that Jesus loved. Jesus, uh, John was known to do weird things. Sit at the bosom of Jesus. All right, that's kind of it. Okay, culturally, I don't know what's going on there, but there was nothing bad. He loved to be around Jesus. Peter and John always got into some, tif some, some tuffles, didn't they? Peter was always like, what about this guy? What about this guy? What about this guy, John? Jesus told Peter, basically, you will die for me. And Peter said, yeah, for me. Well, what about this guy? John loved Jesus. And in our, in our writing, in our reading today, in the sense of the language that it was written in, there's an outburst that John experiences. He's writing a letter, and he's talking about in chapter 2, verse 29. Let's, let's turn there and read it together. I'm going to be reading from the NASB. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And as he's writing this letter, there's an outburst. 
of love. There's this outburst of the presence and grace of God that comes upon them. And in some versions it says, Behold! Check this out! This is awesome! you got to read this and you got to know it. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we shall be called the children of God and that is what we are. Wow. The greatest experience that you can have on a daily basis is have these moments, these outbursts of love that the Holy Spirit ministers to your heart and to your life. As we read the Word of God, we can read things over and over and over and over and over and over again a thousand times. But when the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit ministers that verse or that Word of God to you in an experientially awesome way, you have this outburst of God's grace and you're experiencing His love and His grace. When was the last time when you thought about the death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus' love for you, that a tear came into your eye? And you marveled in amazement the God of creation, who in Colossians tells us that he created the very world and sustains it by his very thoughts, came down as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes so that you could have life this morning. Does that move you a little bit? Does a tear rise up in your heart? What is this love? God, are you for real? John was experiencing this. Behold, what manner, what type of love is this that God should love us? John brings out that God has not just saved us. A lot of people think that God is good, He's loving and everything, but you know what? He just created us, and then He just left us up to our own devices and our own intentions. No. No, God loves us too much, and He wants to be a part of our lives. He's got a destiny and a plan and a purpose for our lives, that we would live our lives to the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ, experiencing His love and these outbursts of grace on a daily basis that keep us focused, and it purifies our lives so that in everything that we do, we honor Him. The way our marriage goes, the way our finances goes, the way we treat people, the way we honor and prefer one another is based on this awesome love that God says that He loves us. Now, only you know who you are, amen? Now, we get together on a Sunday morning, we put on fronts, and we're like, praise God, hallelujah. How you doing? I'm doing good. And you? Good. This church I love because we like to be authentic. And if we're having a, hard uh, having a hard day, we share that with each other. We confess our sins and our faults to one another, and we pray for each other. Isn't it awesome? The beauty of our Christian experience is how the love of God is flushed out when we receive a truth of God. Aristotle said, Education of the mind is important, but without the education of the heart, it means nothing. Some folk have a lot of knowledge about who God is, but it doesn't passionately affect their heart, where the truth of God flows down into every area of our life, our affections, our desires, our purpose, our, our, our will, how we treat people 
how we stand for the glory and honor of Christ because that's the most important thing to us. It flows from our mind. The Bible says that you shall know the truth, acknowledge the truth. Say, God, that is true. And when you say that, your heart begins to bubble and an outburst of God's grace floods your heart. And he takes that truth and he smacks it all over you. And you say, okay, I got it. Thank you, Lord, for revealing that truth to me. But the problem with most Christians is you don't want to deal with truth because you don't want to go there. Christ is in the truth-revealing business. He is known, the Holy Spirit is known as the Spirit of truth. If you want to have anything to do with the Holy Spirit today, watch out. Watch out, because he'll reveal himself to you. The way he reveals himself to you, he first reveals who you are. And then you get a picture of who you are in the light of who God is. And then... You hit the floor. You know why you hit the floor? Because you know that you're unworthy. You know that you can't stand in the presence of God unless someone has put you into his family. God didn't just save us. Say, now you are a wreck. I saved you. Now I'm out of here. I was watching a video. I don't know if you've seen it. Philip. Some woman in a frozen lake, she's an elderly woman, and she's just numb. She's like this. Some guys are chopping the, the, the ice, and they're coming to get her, and they grab her, and they, she's like just dead weight, and they're like, oh, man. They're trying to slide her out, and they get her, and they drag her like a... Anyways, they drag her, and they put her on the side of the, the bank, I don't know what happened, but everybody just walked away. And she's sitting there like this. God didn't do that. We have the picture of the Good Samaritan. Amen? You were broken. You were bruised. You were dead. Jesus came along and poured in the bomb. Paid the price. Said whatever it takes, whatever it costs. Put it to my account. And that's what he's done for your life today. So why is it that we don't live in the victory of his presence on a daily basis? Why don't we experience these outbursts of grace that keep us from grace to grace and faith to faith? You've read a thing a thousand times. Pray to the Holy Spirit that, God, I don't want to leave this word until it doesn't hit my my mind alone, but it hits my heart where I passionately have this outburst of who you are, and it's all because of your doing. We're passionately in love with Jesus, and he wants to love you. The Bible says that he lavished this love, extravagant, elaborate, generous love upon your life. Extravagant and elaborate. It's got a lot of parts. And it's got a lot of mechanisms and it's got a lot of ways and any which way that he can show his love during your, through your circumstances, through your broken relationships, through your great relationships, through your finances. He's engineering these elaborate schemes 
to show His love for you. Isn't that awesome? And we just go through our life like, life sucks! Oh my goodness! <sighs> Meanwhile, God is all around throwing people your way, engineering stuff. And we don't see it because we got our minds not on the truth of God's Word, but on our struggle. Oh, how we struggle. Oh, the struggle is great. The enemy is coming against us. Here's what God wants to see. When you go through hardship and adversity, He does not want to see you sharing your struggle. He wants to see you satisfied with who He is. Amen? Three days I spent with my friend Paulie in, in the hospice. Great, great friend. I've known him for over 25 years. He's never failed me. He's always was there. When I walked into his hospice room, and I said, hey, Paulie, he said, you owe me 15 dinners. <laughs> because he helped me out 15 times. I guess he was keeping track. And I always say, listen, man, I owe you. I'll, I'll take you out for dinner. I guess he had a little tabulation going on and when I saw him. He's the guy that would say to me, I will wrap a cord around your neck 100 times. But every time he said it, I felt such love and affection coming from his heart. He had all but seven feet taken out of his intestines, small and large. He had a colostomy bag. He had a bag on one thigh and another bag on another thigh going into both of his kidneys. People would come up to him and ask him, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And when he said he's doing good, he felt that he was doing good because Christ was with him. You got bags on your thigh? You got a bag hanging off your side? He worked like that for a year or more. And at his funeral, his boss, who was not a Christian, came, eulogized him, and told him he has never seen character and grace that he's seen in the life of Paul. Never missed a day of work. He would go get his treatments, and he would be right back at work that same day. How you doing, Paulie? I'm doing good. How you doing? We would talk about Christ. And he'd talk about how Christ saved him, how he loved him. And I was taking my shower today, and I was just crying. I was thinking of him. It was incredible. I was saying, God, may I be like Paulie as he followed you. May I follow Christ. It was incredible. We focus so much on the struggle that we lose out on being satisfied in who Christ is. Do you, do you hear me today? Your struggle and your problem is so that Christ can be revealed and conformed into your life. So that the glory 
of the love of God will be shed abroad in your heart. But we want to run. We don't want Christ. We just want the struggle to be gone. You know what? Life is cyclical, isn't it? If we don't learn a lesson that God has for us, a little bit, few years down the road, we'll go through that same process. Amen? We don't learn to just bask in his presence, then we learn that same process again down the road. You've seen it. You've experienced it. When God reveals himself to you and you run, he's always got elaborate plans to hook you up again later on in your life with that same process so that you can be changed and transformed in that area of your life. Bestowed. Bestowed. This is kind of a formal word, isn't it? Bestowed. Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, bestowed his love on you as his bride. That was like the engagement ring. I'm here proving my love to you, and I want the whole world to know that I love you, and I am unashamed in my love for you. God goes through awesome ways in showing his love to you on a daily basis. Are you receptive to how the love of God is revealed to you? Do you have this outburst of grace and love on a daily basis where the wonder and amazement of the, the birth, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, glorification, and holy priesthood of Jesus Christ that he has in heaven praying for you now, sending the Holy Spirit to give you the manifestation of who Christ is, does it stir you today? If not, you got problems. You're calloused and you're hard and you need the fallow ground of your heart to be plowed up. And you know what? God is ready to do it. Did I say that with a bad demeanor? I meant to. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. When God speaks to us, we get a new revelation of the wonder and miracle of who he is and how he loves us. See, when we come to God, we have all these requests, right? And God is saying, listen, I got got those taken care of. That's me and you talk. That's me and you talk right now. Right? If you got a kid and they're always asking for stuff, you want to say, hey, man, let's chill out, man. Stop. Stop talking! And let's just talk about, you know, my love for you. Isn't it awesome when you pick up your kid? And I, I've done this with Zach. I just grab him. I say, Zach, I love you. I want you to know that I love you. I will always love you. Nothing that you can do to stop my love for you. If you ever forget that I love you, I will throw you right out the window. (laughs) And then the smile on his face and that little glimmer in his eye where he once again experiences this outburst of love where his father loves him. Isn't that awesome? When was the last time you, you had God, the Holy Spirit, wrap you in his arms? tell you that he loves you. We'll always love you. 
will always be there for you. Nothing that you can do will destroy his love for you. This is what John was talking about when it says that we must purify ourselves. You don't do the purifying. The Holy Spirit, the refining fire does. All you have to do is yield and say, God, I need your work of grace. I need an outburst. I need to focus on who you are. You ever pray to God with the end result being in your mind? So you're praying, God, I need you to fix this, and I would like this to take place on this day. And with my emotional problem, I, I want joy by this date, maybe 2.30, the power of joy to come into my heart. And God, I got some bills, and I want to buy a red Mustang. So if you could provide for me the money, say, uh, you know what, I'll give you three months for that one. Maybe, uh, maybe that'll work out. doesn't really work that way, does it? You are bought with a price. You are not your own. You signed up for this deal. And this deal requires a surrender and a love and a passion. Otherwise, it's not worth it. Is there areas in your life right now that you need to exhibit the love of Christ? But first, you need to experience the outburst of grace and the outburst of love where you actually feel the rivers of living water flowing through you, loving the unlovely, loving those that have broken you, loving those that abuse you. It's not going to come through here. It's going to come when the truth of God comes alive in your heart, focusing on the, the, the power and the provision of Jesus Christ. As the Holy Spirit ministers Jesus to you, you receive freedom. Amen? And you come alive. You come alive to the things of God. Beholding him is this crazy thing that happens when we read something in his word. We've known for a long time, but it comes alive. It comes active in our hearts. And active, by the way, is, is you receive it in your mind. It comes alive in your heart. Thoughts, attitude, and all of a sudden you've got this will and this desire to live it out in your actions towards God. Amen? He does that. Knowing God is not an anti-rational, mystical experience, is it? We like the emotions of praise and worship. We, we love the hype. We love it all. But it's not anti-rational. It's based on the Word of God and God's say-so. That's why we need to read the Word of God and allow it to meditate on the Word of God. Beholding Jesus happens when the truth of who Jesus is overflows into every facet of our lives into our affections, our attitudes, our thoughts, our will, our desires, our destiny, our purpose, and it flushes out in actions of love. Isn't that awesome? That we should be called the children of God. How many remember this song? Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. I might have started a little high. That we should be called the strong God. That we 
should be called the children of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the sons of God and daughters. That we should be called the sons and daughters of God. When God speaks to us, He doesn't give us answers. He gives us Himself. And we behold Him. And when we behold Him, He becomes enough for us. When you go to God wanting answers on a sheet of paper, bullet points, forget it. But when you come to God to behold Him in all of His glory and who He is, He flows out of Himself with an outburst of grace and love and fills your heart, transforms you. We have finances that you're, you're worried about. He's known as Jehovah Jireh. You have physical ailments. He's known as our healer. You have broken relationships with family members or marriages. He is the reconciler. Amen? doesn't happen by following principles. It happens by following the person and presence of Jesus Christ. You need his life within you so his life flows out of you. You got it? Paulie, the last day before he died, I wheeled him out to uh, outside and there was this nice little hill that went down the street went down a nice hill. So I took him to the hill and I said, it's over, buddy. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> I think that's when he said, I'll wrap a cord around your neck a hundred times. <laughs> but I took him, you know, fake that move, and I took him to the, to the gazebo. And there, at another gazebo, was a, was a man dying of a brain tumor. And Paulie says, listen, take me over to that man. I wheeled him over and I said, hello. Paulie says, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? I'm falling apart over here. You want to pray for this guy? Come on. He prayed for him. Prayed for his healing. Prayed that he would know to come to know Christ. And this man said, I don't pray much, but let me pray for you. And he simply said, God, help my new friend. A day later, Paulie was gone. This is what I mean about the, the love of Christ. The love of Christ constrained Paul. It compelled Paul into all this crazy stuff that in your normal thinking, he's insane. You read that all that he went through, but God's love compelled him. And this is exactly what the love of God does for us this morning. It compels us. We can't live without the love of God. We can't know, we can't live without this knowledge of this beholding that we are the children of God, that we are accepted, that we belong to him. When he got struggles and trials, let them go. Paul says these light and momentary afflictions are nothing to the glory that will be yours 
and is now yours because of you being born from above, seated at the right hand of God. Amen? So, what are you worried about? Don't worry. Be happy. What are you frustrated about? Get over it. What are, what are the broken relationships that you need to take care of? Take care of it. Ask for forgiveness. Set things straight. The time is short where we need to get down to business. Amen? Start living this life of love. Every area of our life. Love, love, love. People hurt us. Love, love, love. People abuse us. Love, love, love. Amen? People steal from us. Love, love, love. You cannot defeat the love of Christ. We've seen it all through time. It doesn't matter if there's a knife to your throat. You've won. Amen? I want you to experience a fresh outburst of the grace of God as we take communion today. I want you to think about his death. Think about how he was brutalized. Think about every, every time he, he suffered, he bled, he went to the cross. He was thinking of you because he knew you before you were born, before time began. And when he knew you before time began, the Bible says that he has, had prepared great and awesome good works that you would live out in your heart and in your life. It's not about duty. It's not even about ministry. Ministry can tear somebody apart if they're not doing it out of the love of Christ. Amen? More divisions and church split-ups based on how we're going to serve and what we're going to do. And forget about worship, worship teams. That's why I love our worship team. You know why? Because we're a team and we're doing this together. Nobody's honored above one another. We prefer one another. We honor one another. Now, Daryl has a backache. He came and he worshiped this morning. Amen? Because he's a trooper. I want you to look at your struggles and your temptations and your trials, and I want you to run to them. Because Christ wants to set you free and show himself strong on your behalf today as we take communion. I want you to get a sense, a new outburst of His grace and love for you today that will propel you into this new revelation of who Jesus is. We'll flushed out in love, sacrifice, self-giving, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. Amen?